This podcast is brought to you by Sage Hill, a social impact organization. Our mission is to help people be who they're made to be so that they can do what they're made to do. Find more resources to live fully, love deeply, and lead well at sagehillresources.com. This is Stephen James, Executive Director of Sage Hill Counseling. Thanks for listening to the Sage Hill Live Fully podcast. I'm joined today by my good friend, Dr. Chip Dodd from chipdodd.com. We're discussing our new book, Hope in the Age of Addiction, How to Find Freedom and Restore Your Relationships. Hey, Chip. Stephen, good morning. Good morning, Chip Dodd. Remember that movie, Good Morning Vietnam? Yes, I do. Oh, now, I'm going to watch I've not watched that in probably 20 but years. But you know a lot of people. Don't know that movie. Because it's old. <laughs> they, hey, they, you just dated yourself. I dated myself. <laughs> I'm usually the one that gets dated, right? Uh, uh, I'm getting dated more and more. <laughs> How but old are you now? I'm 47. Turned 47, 47 this summer. Okay. Yeah. Which feels a lot like 50. Does when you it? say 47, it's like, that's close to 50. That's closer to 50 than almost anything. You know what? That that <laughs> that uh, That is 50. Yeah, you are is. 50. <laughs> I'm 50-ish. I'm 70. Yeah. 62, but it's like... Uh, 62 is still 60. I don't know, man. It's a crossover. Uh, oh. Uh, so, you know, we're doing this series of podcasts on our new book, Hope in the Age of Addiction. Yeah. Great book. Yeah. And we've talked about the pandemic and the numbers behind the pandemic. Yeah. We're, we've, we've talked about this invisible dragon and how denial and dissociation uh, feed the dragon that's out to destroy us all, yes. right? allows the dragon to work and seduces us away from how we're made. Yeah. The dragon always lures us towards a treasure, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. And then consumes then us and burns the us up. Yeah. We have a chapter in the book uh, that's on the emotional and relational cost of addiction. Yeah. So we, you know, we talk about the, the numbers of pandemic and the kind of the societal cost. Yeah. Right? But there's an emotional and relational cost yes. to addiction. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, as we step into this uh, section of the book, I, I want us to reiterate uh, addiction isn't a badness. It's an illness that is a result of what happens when we're not raised to deal with ourselves relationally. And we're not skilled. We don't and have the skills skilled, to deal with life. Or it's, it's been ignored. We, 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 we are not helped to keep the skills of vulnerability and resilience in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately addiction, bottom line, after the illness passes, because it's a sickness, Stephen. We've, nobody, like you said in the earlier podcast, nobody plans to take a drink and 10 years later be in prison. That's not a goal. <laughs> That's not a mission. I can't wait life, to yeah, you know, drive my car over a cliff and you know lose my house and 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 wind up in jail for you know something. Mm-hmm. Nobody. It's it's the addiction isn't insane. Addiction is actually a, a logical attempt, though impaired, to do something good for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're trying to find the experience of living fully without having to pay the price of. Betraying the family, giving up to, uh, to the traditions, becoming vulnerable. So, which leads us into the emotional. And that's the biggest cost, cost of addiction is is the emotional, yes. and relational, and spiritual. Let's cost. just take let's just take so we can do the math easily. Let's just say twenty million alcoholics, and I again say that number is small. And we know from research that three to four people are detrimentally impacted by one alcoholic. Right. Okay. And that impact I mean, is long-term, significant psychological, emotional impairment. Yes, and meaning that that, that they have to be in denial and and some form of dissociation to be in relationship with the alcoholic. Right. 
they to have harm to harm themselves in order to stay in relationship. That, yes, yeah. because but they have to remain convinced that this isn't what it is. And sometimes in adults, like it harms me to stay in relationship with the addict, but it also harms me to get out of relationship with the addict. Like I'm harmed either way. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so so survival's the focus instead of thriving. Right. Okay. So you survive addiction and, you, and survive it by suppression of who you're made to be. So 20 million alcoholics, three people, not four. So those numbers are, are smaller than yeah. recorded, right? Research shows. So we can make it bigger, but we're going to make it small. We're going to make it really small. So 20 million alcoholics times three people detrimentally impacted, mm-hmm. which means that they have to go into denial and dissociation, which means the dragon's already after them. The dragon's going to get them. It will get them unless something changes. They're not operating on all their cylinders at that point. They they do not have emotional availability Mm -hmm. and to speak it, to attach to it, to become have their own identities. They have to belong and matter through the sacrifice of their identities called codependency, rather than the flourishing of their identities called thriving as a human. Right. So three times twenty is sixty million. That's Six, 80 now. So 60 plus million plus 80. 20 million is 80 million people. Just alcohol. Right. Just alcohol alone. Not drugs, not sex. Not, not illegal gambling. drugs, not gambling, not that other Eating number. Disorders, not okay, so stuff. take the 15 million illegal drug addicts. So these are just, numbers. Just illegal. Not just illegal. Not, not, so just those, not, not the church folks who are, who are hooked on Darvacet and Percocet yeah. and so on. So, so, so you've got 30 million uh, no, 45 million people, friends, family, co-workers, and children emotionally and relationally wounded, scarred, and suppressed, imprisoned by denial and dissociation. Steve, this is... 125 million, just those two categories. You added it up? Yeah. So that's, what is it? Uh, so that's 80 million plus 45 million plus 60 million. So 80 it, plus it 60, is. that's 140 million people yeah. who are involved actively in addiction because denial means that you've got to find a way to self-soothe, self-cure without emotional experience so, of a so true let's, attachment. Let's talk about then specifically the pandemic. Well, no, I want to talk. No, I'm about, just saying, I just thought the pandemic, word, yeah. pan, it's like very <clears throat> pandemic. So instead of being ourselves, we all in, in living our lives with people we love, we end up playing roles in our lives in order to fit yeah. in in relationship with the addict. And there's some classic yeah. roles, right? Yeah. So you got the addict, yeah. right? And then right the next to... false self. Right, yeah. yeah, right. And then the addict is in a compulsive, habitual state of seeking relief all the time, yeah. right? But then right next to the addict, you you almost always have one or two of these other people called an enabler. Yeah. Right? What's an enabler? Tell, yeah. tell us what the enabler yeah. does. And you know, the, the addict isn't always using, but they're preoccupied with, with using, yeah. escaping. Yeah, they're either with preoccupied them. with escaping, escaping, or coming out of yeah. escaping. Right? Yeah. And, and, and this the addict makes promises. They're, 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 they're promising that it's this, that's going yeah. to be. So, so life is always in the future. Yeah, and that's what the enabler and the other roles are functioning on. If I do this, then that will happen. Yeah. So it's all that. Plus, if I don't do this, I'll be exposed, and then I'll feel ashamed, and I'll get rejected, and I won't belong and matter. So it's a tightrope. Yeah. So the enabler is the person who teaches everybody else in the family how to cooperate, or in the office, or in the office, or, yeah, yeah, and and it means to reinforce or encourage addiction, mm. enabling. Keep it going. Yes, in the name of helping. 
So what could be going on with this person? It ain't love. Well, it, 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 it's twisted love. It's yeah. Twisted. Just yeah. like the addiction is a way to feel better. The enabler is a way to not be afraid because when they don't love, quote, unquote, like they're supposed to, shoulds, then they feel terrible. And then, then so the enabler is teaching people and they establish rules. Yes. Right? And so there's got to be, and, and in, in the addictive family, there really isn't enough love to go around. Okay. So, so the children are kind of scrapping for it. They're, they're, yeah, a little bit. They're, all, they're all after <laughs> the same bone and the beat on the bone. Yeah. No matter how wealthy or how uh, appearing to be poor, yeah. impoverished. So it's, this isn't about money. This is about emotional and, and, and relational neediness, yeah. right? How we're created. So there's a hero. There's going to be somebody who's going to be the wave the flag and make the family proud and or reduce the, the shame. Golden child, the, the golden saint. child. These are all versions of the Mama's hero. Mama's helper, daddy's helper, yeah. the one who gets rewarded for not feeling. Right. But inside. And they achieve instead of feel. Yes. So they're the they hero. They perform uh, yeah. instead of being they present. They great. And they're. Do good. Yeah. And yeah. they're teaching the other kids what they can't be and what they should be. Because I mean, there's not enough love to go around, so there's got only going to be really one hero yeah. until that kid is gone or killed off. There's going to be the next role because they're all fighting for this out of the same love pot. So usually there's the hero, and then there's the scapegoat. And yeah, and the scapegoat is the in the ancient times was the the goat that the, they placed their hand. The priest placed their hands on the goat's head. And then they were covered with blood. Yeah, and they opened the gates of the village and said, get out and yeah. wander in the desert until you die. So the scapegoat... <laughs> Which wouldn't take long because the lion would smell and hear oh, the goat. Oh, yeah, blood. So, <laughs> so the scapegoat is the kid that gets rejected because he won't cooperate. And that kid's usually the, the truth teller. The rebel. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he finds, uh, she finds... Uh, 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 camaraderie with peers because there's not enough love in the family. The hero's already sucked up whatever yeah. prestige or to get, uh, belonging there is or mattering. And usually that hero is bonded with the enabler parent. Yes. They're a force. Yeah. Then after the scapegoat, there's, we're, we're talking about less and less going. So there's a mascot. Which is... The funny kid. Funny kid makes the jokes. Yeah. 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 The, the scapegoat takes tension away from the problem. The mascot reduces tension in the present of what's happening, yeah. right? So you blame the scapegoat, you laugh at the mascot, and the mascot really feels fragile within, insecure. A ton of shame. Yeah, if, of if I'm not funny, if I'm not silly, but also if I grow up, I can't grow up, so they, they don't yeah. believe they're really capable. Yeah. You know, they're sort of, they, they're considered like a, the pampered child or buffered, not affected by what was going on. So yeah. the family celebrates around their fake joy. And then there's the lost child. Uh, it's the saddest figure of all, yeah. I think, even more than the scapegoat. They, they, they live in the shadows. Even out in the open, they're not seen. Yes, the, yeah. the one you don't have to worry about because they're just not there. That child usually feels most insecure, and it usually, Stephen, is most dissociated in an evident way. You know, mm -hmm. they, they literally do the escape. The scapegoat has the power of truth-telling. They will fight. The hero has the power of sort of being successful, knowing how to get approval. Mm -hmm. The mascot knows how to interact. Like So they're all, you're getting relational feedback. And we all have different... I mean, m most of us don't live in systems or grow up in families where we're just one of those. We usually have the flavor of yeah, a couple yeah, of those. Mix or, and match. Yeah. yeah, the healthier family, the more exper experimental the child is allowed to be around all these different roles, mixing and matching yeah. and stuff like that in terms of emotional and uh, relational expression. And then, but the lost child is not bonded relationally. Yeah. So they, they look out well, at even the to world. Themselves. I know. Yeah. And they look out at the world and they see just um, a horrifying place. 
not where the smell of cinnamon means it's good bread. It's the smell of cinnamon means I, I better run. Mm. Uh, it's a threat. Yeah. So that it's very sad. Now these these five roles, the enabler is pretty consistent, but the other four, like you said, mix and match some yep. ways. And also there are many others. There's lots you know, of other placator, yeah. the pleaser, yeah. uh, the 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 beauty queen, the the king. I mean, you know, all king these, baby, king yeah, king baby. <laughs> That's the uh, addict. That's the addict. <laughs> king baby, queen baby. Yeah. So, so the all but all of those roles work in service to keep the addict sick. That's yeah. that's the thing that blows my mind every yes. time, right? Yes. Like, is that is that we're so made for relationship? Yes. And we so love people we're in relationship with yes. that we're made to love. Yes. That we end up playing, we lose ourselves to play these roles to keep the family or the or the workplace or like the culture all working together. Status right? quo. We we want the status quo. We want because the status quo is, is safe. It, it feels yes. safe. Everything else is feelings. Yeah. So the ship is sinking to a great example to the Titanic. Yeah. The ship is sinking and all the family members are moving the deck chairs around yeah. and repainting things while it's going down. <laughs> because to feel is to reject abandon uh the the relationships in the family. Yeah. It breaks the family apart, we think. And in, in all of my addictions work over the years, I, I, I will talk to the, the, I mean, you know, you know, doctors, I mean, pe- the most educated people, I'm talking about Stanford, Harvard, yeah, Princeton, Duke, people. right? Like big, smart people. I mean, smart people, like they're, smart people are big. I mean, <laughs> they're big. <laughs> they accomplished mean, a lot. But, but they're, they're giants in, yeah. in our worlds, right? And the, the, what they're running from, and in spite of all their success, what they're terrified of are the eight feelings. Mm-hmm. Eight feelings, Stephen. Eight feelings feel to them like death. And this is what I've said to them over the years. Two things are guaranteed to happen if you have a feeling. Two things. And they're like, okay, what is it? Because I know I've never known what this is. And I say, number one, you're gonna feel it. Okay. <laughs> and 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 that is actually horrifying. Like yeah. to feel it, to my heart to beat with it, but see, anxiety takes the place of real feelings, and depression takes the place of real feelings, and stoic apathy yeah. takes the place. Toxic shame. Takes toxic the place shame. Yeah, and and I say, number one, you're going to feel it, and number two, you're going to have memories. You're going to remember. In other words, but you're, you're gonna, not going to die from feelings. No one's no, ever died from feelings. No. Yeah. No, but you will join your life, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what addiction demands. We run from addiction is the solution to avoiding. Well, because living our lives. Most, in my experience, working with some of those high achieving people, whether it be a, a doctor or a business owner or a professional athlete, like, like they're actually more prone for for addiction yeah. than the ordin, ordinary person. Yeah. Right. Because they've they have had to achieve, tried to, tried to achieve and accomplish so much in order to feel self love or self worth. Right. That it doesn't work. That they have to turn to some other thing. So they can keep, keep going. They can mm-hmm. keep going, mm-hmm. right? Because the idea of stopping is it's terrifying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the idea that, uh, uh, in my experience, that people like me uh, can get recovery, uh, frankly, earlier and faster than those people we're talking yeah, about. That's ordinary folks. Yeah. You know, because um, uh, the feelings are closer, and the achievement uh, isn't uh, something to cling to. Because it's just not enough of it. So, so the know? way out of those roles, then just like when we talk about denial and dissociation, we start with the question of where am I? The way out of those roles of that we play that keep us sick. The role I play 
that that I found in my family of origin and I've continued to play in my grown up life keeps me sick and it keeps the people who love me the most away from me, right? Yeah, and it keeps me away from them, right? Yeah. So the the way out of that is be, is begin to say what I see, right? Like yeah. this is what I see. And when I see, like you said a second ago, I'm going to feel. I'm going to feel. Because yeah, so see means to receive. Look means to observe. Yeah. So you look at something, you're not in it. You see something, it's gotten to you. Yeah. yeah. So once I see, I feel. And being able to, like some of the psychological research I've read, the minute I can label my feelings, it actually decreases my anxiety. It's power. It's, yeah. It's empowering. Yep. Yeah. Like, so I know if I where grew I am. Up in a system where I couldn't feel and I couldn't have words for them except upset or too much yeah. or you know, yeah. then I could say I'm lonely, I'm angry. All of a sudden, my anxiety goes down. Yes, right. And your vulnerability goes and up because your need goes up. And Stephen, what's amazing about that is, isn't that amazing? When God said Aika, it wasn't uh, expose yourself. It was become empowered again, yeah. available to join. So when, like you said, and the research has shown that. If I can name where I am, I'm no longer lost. Right. <laughs> okay. So where I'm feeling yeah. is where I am. So at that point, decision-making capacity starts. Yeah, I have needs. Yes. Your frontal lobe has an active purpose to deal with what you're feeling. That's called joining. And then, and you then join it, with yourself. Then it, instead of this negative perception that everything's going to be bad if I have feelings and needs, right? Yeah. Then I, I, I get this and we write in the book, I imagine myself in a positive future, right? Like yeah. this actually freedom, like this might turn out. Okay. Like it could, it could turn yeah. out. Okay. Which people yeah. hate hearing. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, uh, risk means anxiety. Yeah. And really means fear, which feels like I did when I was younger. Yes. And fear yeah. is there to help us. The limbic brain doesn't know age; it just knows no, knows the history. Just knows right. that, yeah. But so then, asking for help. So th- then we have to go to the care of others. Yes, right. And if I receive help, if I ask for help and I receive help, that's very scary. Yeah. Okay. Because one, it makes me dependent. It also starts a thing called faith in how I'm created. Well, and if I grew up in a system of addiction, I didn't have anybody to go to for help. And if I went to, like you said, there's only a, a certain amount of love going on. Right. And if there's just a little bit of there, it couldn't, it wasn't enough to share. Mm-hmm. And if I asked for my peace, that means the people mm-hmm. I loved weren't getting their peace. Yes. Right. And so the idea of being a person in recovery who says, I need, like I feel I need, but to get what I need, I need help. Will you be with me in it? Yes. It's super scary because our core belief is we got to do it alone. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. got to be independent, powerful, and be realistic. Now, let's repeat something. It's very important. When we say there's not enough love to go around, it doesn't mean that family members don't love each other. No. They love each other tenaciously yeah. and with great extraordinary loyalty, even dying for each other. But the love, there's no bandwidth of emotional capacity of expression and tolerance for difference, tolerance for one's own identity. Yeah. The love is like a big enmeshment, collusion. And we have a, well, a, a great love affair going on in our culture with uh, addiction. Sub- addiction. Yeah, we, we say this. Commercials. Yeah, you know, We'll end with this. Being controlled by addiction keeps us from seeing what is happening around us. It keeps us from the lives we were made to have. We can't be who we're made to be. In the name of love, we end up sacrificing our freedom and well-being on the altar of addiction. Amen. Yeah. Thanks, Chip. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm.
This podcast is brought to you by Sage Hill, a social impact organization. Our mission is to help people be who they're made to be so that they can do what they're made to do. Find more resources to live fully, love deeply, and lead well at sagehillresources.com. 